Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Ashley LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Great weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. It's mid-July. We are in the off-season month of July, and uh, this episode coming out a day late because uh, both guests that I have on this week's episode, the interviews were done on Thursday, and as always, I promised uh, early access to patrons at patreon.com slash Show, and I wanted to give them at least a, a day, a full day, uh, with early access before the episode comes out. So it's Saturday as I'm speaking with you right now, and the episode will be coming out today. Speaking of Patreon, lots of action at the uh, site. People signing up, whether it's for an annual subscription or a monthly subscription or trying the seven-day free trial, that's awesome, and I really appreciate the support. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Because you can't win friends with salad, it's Alberta's best beef jerky. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com. It's W-I-L-H-A-U-K. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. If you happen to be in the Edmonton area, the smoky Edmonton area, forest fires in Alberta, man, we are covered in smoke again. But if you happen to be in Edmonton, three locations, Spruce Grove, Leduc, and West Edmonton Mall, where you can get your Wilhawk beef jerky. The news and notes are going to be brief. Adam Fantilli signs and will not be returning to the Michigan Wolverines. And I kind of thought that was almost an automatic after the draft. I mean, he had a fantastic year. He was he won the Hobie Baker as a freshman. What more did he have left? But then when I had Russ Cohen on right before the draft, he said, no, he thinks he's going back because he was going to be able to take advantage of some of those new rules where the collegiate players are able to uh, do some endorsements and things like that and make some money. So then I was almost convinced that he was going back, and now he actually signed like two days after the NHL draft itself. So seemed like it was uh, almost a foregone conclusion uh, for Fantilli. In the Western Hockey League, there were a number of uh, coaching decisions over the last week or so. We can start with the Red Deer Rebels, who assigned Derek Walser to be their eighth head coach in club history. He was on the bench for the Peterborough Peets uh, this uh, well, this last little while, including at the Memorial Cup this past spring. Played a little bit in the NHL 
And I know that's something that uh, Brent Sutter uh, holds to have some value uh, when it comes to being a coach at the junior level. It's that experience that he can pass on to players. Other new coaches, uh, the Regina Pats named Brad Harriff, head coach. They promote him from within. He was an assistant coach under John Paddock, but uh, with Paddock retiring and Alan Miller becoming the new GM, they needed a new head coach, and Miller just almost immediately promoting Brad Harriff. Interesting one in Wenatchee as James Patrick, not the head coach now for the uh, former Winnipeg Ice, now the Wenatchee Wild, but Kevin Constantine is back in the Western Hockey League. There's a big-name coach who hasn't been in the league for a while, had a great record with the Everett Silvertips, never missed the playoffs, and I'm guessing, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if he lives in uh, Washington State. So he is the uh, first coach of the Wenatchee Wild head coach since making the move to the Western Hockey League. And a coach vacancy just opened up with the Vancouver Giants as uh, Michael Dick is now off to the American Hockey League with the Toronto Marlies. So the uh, Vancouver Giants will be looking for a new head coach. And I have to wonder if James Patrick would be a good fit there. And lastly, out of the WHL, the Calgary Hitman and general manager Jeff Chenoweth, according to the very brief press release, mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, Gary Davidson has uh, now been named the director of hockey operations for the Hitmen. But Jeff Chenoweth, who has been in the league a long time, of course, uh, the WHL's championship trophy named after his father. We'll see where things develop there with the Calgary Hitmen. Kind of have to wonder where the new GM is uh, Steve Hamilton suddenly on the uh, the hot seat as the head coach. Canada's roster for the Holinka Gretzky Cup, which begins July 31st over in uh, Slovakia and Czechia. Canada announced their roster and includes eight players from the Western Hockey League, Berkeley Catton from the Spokane Chiefs, Charlie Alec of the Brandon Wee Kings, Jordan Gavin uh, from Tri-City, Ollie Josephson of Red Deer, Caden Lindstrom from the Medicine Hat Tigers, big power forward, Roger McQueen also from Brandon, uh, Ryder Ritchie, poised to probably have a pretty big season this year from uh, the PA Raiders, and uh, Carson Wetch of the Calgary Hitmen all on that team. little surprised that uh, Gavin Hodnett of the Oil Kings didn't make the cut. When it comes to U-17 players in the league last year, only three guys had more points than he did. All three of them were uh, named to the team. Uh, that means that uh, five guys, though, he outscored. Now, that includes Charlie Alec, a defenseman. But So a little surprised that Gavin Hodnett uh, not named to this team. Three goaltenders named, uh, two from the Ontario Hockey League and Carter George from Owen Sound and Ryerson Leanders of Mississauga. Gabriel Daig from the Victoriaville Tigre, the other goaltender. Some notables on the blue line, almost all from the Ontario Hockey League. Sam Dickinson, who will be a high pick in the 2024 NHL draft, plays with the London Knights, probably the biggest name. And of course, young Michael Misa, the only 2007-born player from the Saginaw Spirit. All right, and I think that is going to do it for the news and notes. Reminder about Pro Stock Hockey. It's your online source for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment, whether it's sticks or gloves, everything else. Their website is ProStockHockey.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at ProStockHockey. New selection of helmets just went live. Small, medium, and large sizes in white and gold. Nashville Predators helmets you can get at ProStockHockey.com. And a reminder that all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Mention it's hot and smoky here. 
Well, actually, it's not that hot, but on a day like this, you might want to stay inside, have a little daycation. That, of course, one of the uh, options that you have, the craft beverages from Troubled Monk. Big hit in the summer is the Troubled Tea. But why don't you stop in in Red Deer, go to the tap room and try some of the uh, options that they have exclusively right on tap in the tap room. You can also get some grub while you're there. The two guests that I have for you this week, we're going to start with uh, the aforementioned Alan Miller, who was with Hockey Canada the last few years, heading up the U18 and uh, U20 teams. He is now the general manager of the Regina Pats, taking over for John Paddock. Alan Miller spent nearly a decade with the Moose Jaw Warriors organization as GM. So he goes from Moose Jaw to Regina, arch rivalry there. So we had a little bit of fun with that. So uh, we'll catch up with Alan Miller, and we will close things out with the president and the commissioner of the North American Hockey League, Mark Frankenfeld. We're going to reflect on the season that was and look ahead to the biggest season for the North American Hockey League as the league expanding from 29 to 32 teams. Lots to talk about with Alan Miller and Mark Frankenfeld, and we'll kick it off with the new GM of the Regina Pats. He's up first. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willhock Beef Jerky. Feist off the boards to center. Now over the blue line, Bedard, high slot, drag. What a move, Bedard! Through the legs! Scores! What a beautiful goal by Connor Bedard in Calgary! Holy smokes! I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pass, and this is the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I think I'm getting the black lung pop. Uh, back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. Three locations in the Edmonton area, uh, but you can get it uh, shipped anywhere in Western Canada by going to willhockbeefjerky.com. All right, we uh, continue into uh, July, the uh, lone offseason uh, in the hockey schedule, at least at the junior hockey level. Um, but really, for my next guest, no offseason at all because he's uh, the new general manager of the Regina Pats, and that, of course, is Alan Miller. Uh, Alan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Yeah, doing real well. Thanks. Great to be on again. Well, I appreciate you making time like this. I'm sure it's been a media whirlwind for you. How long did this uh, this process take? How long had you been speaking with John Paddock, and, and when did the opportunity first come to you? Well, we, we have been talking for quite a while, and uh, it uh, really all started... I think it was uh, April um, when I was at the under-18 Worlds uh, in Switzerland. I got a, I got a text from John that uh, just kind of indicated, "Hey, I'm I'm hearing some rumblings about yourself and considering uh, other opportunities." And and he let me know at the time that uh, that he was packing it in here as uh, the GM and coach of uh, the Pats and and asked what my interest level would be to talking to them and. Uh, 
you know, I indicated to him at that time that uh, my eyes and ears were open and uh, I would be interested. And when I got back from Switzerland, uh, we began the process and, terms of spending some time with John uh, Gord Pritchard uh, the CEO here of the team and uh, and Sean and Gavin Semple uh, uh, part of the ownership group so did I understand that correctly you were leaving Hockey Canada he was leaving the Pats so it just kind of happened almost coincidentally at the same time one didn't preclude the other well it wasn't wasn't necessarily Guy that uh, that I was leaving Hockey Canada at the time I uh, you know I was fortunate um, around that time where, you know, I was, I was getting some interest and, and some calls about some opportunities and, okay. and, um, and, uh, you know, some of it was in the CHL and John had caught wind of that and, uh, and reached out about the Regina opportunity. So, um, Hey, my hockey can experience was great. I'm looking forward to it continuing and finishing up here as I get ready to go to Europe with this Holinka team. Um, but, uh, you know, there were certain things, Guy, around, uh, you know, managing a team in the CHL, something that I really enjoy, certain things that I missed, uh, um, you know, going back to, you know, Moose Jaw was a tough decision to to leave that op- that team and, and, uh, and go to Hockey Canada. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's just how it played out. And as I went through the process, I, I enjoyed the process. It was first class. Um, I really enjoyed meeting the ownership group. I've had a long time relationship with John and, and Gord Pritchard. And, uh, you know, my wife and I are obviously familiar with the area, familiar with Saskatchewan and, uh, um, got lifelong friends just down the road in, in, in Moose Jaw. And it just, we were comfortable with it. And, and, it, and at the end of the day, it felt, uh, Felt right. It felt like the right opportunity at this time. Well, back uh, to the CHL. Uh, three decades you've been in- involved in the CHL, going back to your days in the OHL with the Guelph Storm and the Sarnia Sting. And you, you, you mentioned the Moose Jaw Warriors, arch rival of the Regina Pats. You, you're going to have to have uh, burnt all your uh, old Moose Jaw uh, T-shirts and hats and stuff like that at this point. You can't be seen in Regina with that on. <laughs> well, you'll laugh, Guy. The first thing I said uh, when I got introduced at the press conference to the to the group i said uh, anybody interested in 10 years worth of warriors apparel give me a call um <laughs> so uh, i i got too much respect to burn it um but at the same time yes the uh, uh the colors have changed and uh and uh i will move on from from my warriors gear um but at the same time gee i think you know that uh um you know left the warriors it's not a situation where I was fired or, right. um, you know, so I've got a lot of, a lot of pride in terms of, uh, uh, my time there. And, uh, you know, the way I look at this is, uh, yeah, you can talk about, uh, um, you know, Habs, Leafs, Yankees, Red Sox, yeah. all the, the, the great rivalries and, uh, you know, and it's happened before, you know, Curtis Hunt went from the Warriors to the Pats, uh, uh, years ago, so um, I uh, I think we can have some fun with this, and uh, obviously my relationship with Jason Ripplinger and uh, and Marco Larry there, and uh, um, let's spark the rivalry. Let's have some fun with it. Uh, um, fans going up and down the highway, um, um, you know, and uh, and you know I look forward to you know my time here, and uh, and, and again reengaging with. Uh, a lot of people that uh, a lot of close friends in the area. I shouldn't say you burned all your old moose jaw stuff. 
But maybe the Goodwill <laughs> store or the uh, Value Village, uh, the local Value Village, might have uh, just got a new box of uh, of gear. That's that's the way to look at it. Exactly. I, I like to hear that you're leaning into the the, the rivalry with Moose Jaw. You're going to have some fun with it. What do you expect the the reactions going to be from the fan base that your first game back in Moose Jaw? Do you think they're going to get behind it and have some fun with it too? I I, I hope so. You know, I think uh, I think fan bases are. Um, um, you know, fan bases are in terms of you have your fans that uh, um, that'll be a little bit peeved, and uh, and then you'll have your fans that'll say you can have them. You didn't do a very good job here, so the Pats can have them. You know, um, you know, in terms of again a little bit of fun with that gee, but uh, um, you know what? I I think that uh, hey, they've got a good thing going on in Moose Jaw. They've got they've got good people. Um, you know turn the page to to Jason Ripplinger's leadership and I think he's doing a great job and you know I look forward to that rivalry and I and I really look forward to going into Moose Jaw which is you know like a home to me and and my wife Kelly and uh, and going in there with my new team all right well you take over uh, the GM spot from John Paddock he was also the head coach so you had to find somebody new for that job as well and uh, just uh, perfect timing that you're on because this was just announced a couple of hours ago uh, Brad Harroff, uh, the new head coach of the of the Pats. Uh, how did you come to his uh, him as uh, the being on the top of the list for you? Well, the the, the situation, uh, you know, Brad has, uh, you know, with the way things have gone here in Regina the last couple of years, and and uh, you know, David Shrush, uh was here, and uh, and John was on the bench, and there were times that uh, that Brad needed to, you know, take a leadership role as you know, the acting head coach and mm-hmm. he did that and he did very well. Um, you know, when I got to know Brad and when I looked at his career, both as a player and a coach, um, he's a guy that's worked hard for everything he's got. He's, you know, he's earned his way and, uh, you know, that's important in terms of the traits you want in people and particularly the traits you want around your team and, and your players. Um, you know, I could see that there was a real special relationship between him and John Paddock. Um, I have a lot of faith in John, a lot of trust in John, and the way John spoke about Brad and, you know, loyalty, commitment, trust. Um, he's a Regina guy. He knows what it means to put the logo on. Um, you know, he knows where the club is at. He knows where it needs to go, um, you know, with a good plan and, and a good vision. And, you know, and, and talking to Brad and his mentorship under John and and uh, what he's learned from him um, you know as I got to know everybody around here and you know we've been talking about it for a lot longer than just since Monday since I was announced um, you know everything everything fit in terms of that that Brad was the the right guy to get this opportunity and the, and the right guy to lead our team as a head coach he's he's worked very hard for the opportunity and he very much deserves it is it really important to have that familiarity not just for the coach but for the players as well to you know the guy behind the bench calling the shots is someone that they know and they trust and to have that continuity from one year to the next especially maybe considering a leadership change in at the executive level yeah absolutely i think the i think the continuity is important um i think it certainly uh um you know helps me get to climatize the uh, with the organization as well. And, and I think, Gee, when you, when you, if you look back, um, you know, continuity was a theme for me and Moose Jaw in terms of, you know, promoting Marco Larry when, uh, I made the tough decision to let Tim Hunter go, mm-hmm. you know, strong recommendation that Jason Ripplinger became the GM. 
you know, he was my assistant GM uh, when I got the Hockey Canada job. And and part of when I looked at Brad and, and, and that decision, you know, I thought about, um, you know, his track record in, uh, in climbing the coaching ladder. And, uh, and it was very similar to Marco Larry. And, uh, you know, in terms of good young guys in the game that, uh, that have worked really hard, um, you know, done what they've needed to do to, to get that, those experiences and, and, and find their way with an opportunity to lead teams. So uh, it, it all came together well. Alan Miller, the new general manager of the Regina Pats, is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, let's talk about the roster a little bit. Uh, I know things will change uh, between now and, and training camp. I'm sure uh, the team will look different than it did uh, when we last saw them in the playoffs against the Saskatoon Blades. You lose, obviously, three uh, 20-year-old players. or O2 born players from last year's roster and a, and a pretty big-name player in Connor Bedard, obviously. Anybody else that you're expecting to not be back from last year's team that you know of yet? Well, I think uh, I'm in the middle of that process in terms of, you know, getting to know what we have, Guy, a little bit better. Um, I think you know that, uh, you know, the the time I spent scouting in the Western League was, you know, the past couple of years, there was a real focus on the national junior team. And uh, um, so it's a different outlook sitting up in the stands than if you're a general manager of another team and getting to know the entire roster and their young players, their prospect pool and all those things. So I'm going to need a little bit of time to, to understand what, uh, you know, what we have and what the plan will be moving forward. Um, you know, I think for the most part, anybody that's eligible to return will be available to return. Um, um, you know, Stuzalev, uh, the third round pick of Washington, who had a great year as an 18 year old. Um, you know, it sounds like we'll get every opportunity to, possibly play in the American League and uh, you know and that's uh, um, that's for any young player going to a direct training camp as a as a signed player and and as you know he was drafted uh, out of Europe so uh, he doesn't fall into the NHL CHL agreement and is eligible playing the American League so there'll be a little bit of a process with uh, with Washington on that one and if he earns his way into Hershey or um, you know if we get him back so we'll we'll wait and see on that one but other than that um, we expect uh, most of our group back. All right. Well, one of the guys that's going to be a standout for you this year and has been for the Pats the last couple of years is Tanner Howe. Uh, what a terrific player. He's going into his NHL draft-eligible season, and uh, you're familiar with him at Hockey Canada because he's played uh, in uh, in a few tournaments uh, with the Maple Leaf on his chest. What do you know or what can you tell us from your perspective in that role with Hockey Canada, what he brought for you uh, as a member of Team Canada? Well, first of all, he's uh, he's he's a quality young man, and uh, and um, you know is uh, is committed to you know is committed um, has an investment in own in his own development, wants to get better. Um, I've saw him here recently. He looks real good, uh, real strong. He's uh, he's been working real hard to to get ready for the year. Um, you know, he certainly brings a great amount of leadership qualities to our group and uh will certainly be a, a big part of our uh certainly be a big part of our leadership group um but you know what i like about tanner and what i've got to know about him with the hockey canada experiences other than getting to know him as a young man as i just stated is that you know he's uh he's competitive he's got a really good skill set the details in his game are good um you know he combines a real good skill set and offensive production with a real solid 200 foot game. So 
Um, he's an exciting player, a great young man, and uh, and a great piece for us to to have here. Ellen, did you say uh, you are still with Hockey Canada in terms of the uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup next month? Yes, yes, I uh, part of uh, part of the transition to Regina and, and finishing up, uh, you know, uh, my Hockey Canada duties is um, uh, that I will, uh, um, you know, lead the uh, the Holinka Group at uh, uh, lead that national under eighteen team at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Um, so I will be in Toronto for meetings next week with that group and our coaches. I will be traveling with that team. And, um, so I'm drinking a little bit out of a fire hose these days, Guy, but, um, <laughs> um, it was important. It was important for me to leave hockey Canada the right way. And, and obviously we're right in the middle of, you know, finalizing that Holinka team, um, you know, putting the coaching staff together, uh, um, not far away from the tournament. So I certainly wanted to see that through and I'm, I'm really appreciative of the the ownership group here in in Regina and, and Gord Pritchard um, being okay with that and allowing me to uh, to lead that team. It's something I'd like to see through and at the same time uh, leave Hockey Canada the right way. Well, when you reflect back on your time with Hockey Canada, and I guess it's not officially over just yet, but uh, you were the GM or the uh, senior advisor or director of player personnel for Holinka Gretzky Cups and World U18s and and the U20 World Championship. What stands out for you uh, from uh, your tenure there? Well, I, you know, it's 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 been a great tenure. Um, you know, it started off my first couple of months there, went into another eighteen world championship, which, as you know, Guy is a challenge for Canada at that tournament, uh, not having all the best players available. Um, you know, the back-to-back world juniors. Um, you know, I'm hoping to go out with back-to-back Holinka championships here when you know, um, with this upcoming tournament. Um, but I think at the end of the day, nothing's going to beat Halifax. Um, you know, I think that, uh, when I, when I go back to Edmonton and, uh, you know, we're real proud of the group that we put together there and particularly proud of the way that group performed, because as you know, not everybody was available in that summer tournament. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, missing significant players either that uh, were injured or their NHL teams, um, had other plans for them than to play in that tournament, and uh, we found a way to win. Um, at the end of the day, getting back to a normal World Juniors, the the excitement in Halifax, uh, the crowds, the atmosphere outside of the building, um, the noise in the building, uh, the goal song heave away, and the reaction of the fans. Again, going to overtime and finding a way to win. Um, you know, when we got down dice, how about after we had won and uh, the building was just shaking, like not one fan left the building. Um, so it was a really special, special, uh, um, special event. Junior hockey is all about development for the players. I wonder, does it carry over to someone that was in your role? Do you think you're better uh, having gone through that? Or will you be a better GM now than you were before your tenure with Hockey Canada? Do you think? Absolutely. I, 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 I've talked about that. I think that, uh, you know, my experience at Hockey Canada dealing, uh, dealing with players and staff at that level, um, getting into a different realm in terms of, um, preparation around short-term competition, world championships, um, you know, Scott Salmon's leadership around the culture environment around national teams and, and preparation for those tournaments, you know, working with great people at Hockey Canada. 
I absolutely think uh, that experience will uh, um, will make me a better manager moving forward here. Outstanding, Alan. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for making time for the, the for the Pipeline Show, uh, and I look forward to uh, seeing you when uh, you and the Pats roll through Edmonton this year. Sounds great, Guy. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Thanks. That's Alan Miller of the Regina Pats, and I think saying that is going to take a little while to get used to. Doesn't sound quite right just yet, but a terrific uh, GM, always willing to come on the show. I greatly appreciate that. Whether it was when he was with Moose Jaw or with Hockey Canada, always uh, had time to uh, come on. And so if he was leaving Hockey Canada, I am uh, selfishly happy that he's staying in the Western Hockey League. Regina Pats are going to be an interesting team this year. Yes, they're definitely going to look a lot different without uh, number 98. And uh, Suzdalev. Now, I guess we shouldn't be surprised because he was drafted out of Europe, as Alan was just telling us. There's no guarantee he's back. He could play in the American Hockey League this season, despite not being 20 yet. I guess that is up to the Washington Capitals, and they would say that's up to Suzdalev. But is his time in Regina done? As the saying goes, only time will tell. Tanner Howe, he's going to be the marquee name for the Pats this season. Fully expect he's going to be, at this point, I'd, I would say he's probably a top 45 pick for the 2024 NHL draft. Wouldn't be surprised if he's on a lot of first-round lists to start the season. All right, the other guest this week is the president and commissioner of the North American Hockey League. He's been on the show a few times. His name is Mark Frankenfeld, and he is up next. Lots to talk about in the North American League this year from this past season and looking ahead as the league gets even bigger. The president and commissioner is next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Jasper Quinn has it in the deep slot. Quinn right circle. A shot arrives her. Saved by Gaon. Rebound. Gaon makes the save. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Adam Gaon at the buzzer. An unbelievable save. Hi, my name is Adam Gaon. I'm playing for Chip Lost Field. And welcome to Pipeline Show. talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show. Final guest for this week's episode as we uh, get uh, further into the uh, quote-unquote offseason. Uh, we're going to talk about the North American Hockey League and uh, a, a big season just passed for the Null and an even bigger one uh, coming up uh, as I'm pleased to be joined once again by the uh, president and the commissioner 
Uh, it's a twofer. Uh, Mark Frankenfeld is my guest. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank, thanks for having me. I've always appreciate you including me in the discussion. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this past season first before we look ahead. Uh, and maybe from your perspective, some of the, the standout moments for the league uh, as you reflect uh, on uh, on what was the 2022-23 season. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. You know, we really excited to get, you know, through uh, around the corner from, you know, some of the some of the pain that we all suffered a couple of years back and, and get our teams in the more, uh, more orderly fashion. Um, you know, we were, we were 29 teams strong this year and we saw a lot of attendance and we saw a lot of corporate sales and a lot of, uh, that type of stuff come back in the individual markets, which is big and in, in how junior hockey operates. And, uh, you know, I think in the end, our, our primary focus is players, you know, ultimately playing, you know, college hockey. And, you know, we're, we're seeing some numbers start to rebound back to, uh, you know, predating the COVID and the log jam and the, and the uh, reclass and the transfer portal and all that stuff. So we're seeing some really strong numbers coming back. So I think that was some of our biggest, uh, biggest pieces of success is getting the teams back operating in, in full capacity with full tanks of gas and seeing, you know, how fast they can go with their product. Were there some challenges for a lot of teams, or was it maybe a regional thing? Some teams may have suffered uh, through the COVID situation uh, more than others. You know, there were the ones. That, well, yeah. When you go back, we rewind back to that time where we were just patching everything together. It was it was painful for everybody, but it was just so important to get the to keep the product on the ice for the players. It was something that was, you know made me really proud to be in the role that I am with the owners that we have that, you know, junior hockey is not about, uh, you know, playing in front of nobody and having nobody to sell corporate sales to, you know, our NHL budgets are 750 to 1.5 million. They start with dollar zero from the players. It's free hockey and then they got to go out and sell it. So our owners spent some money uh, to do the right thing for the players. Uh, our biggest challenges, you know, were the ones in the cities and the States that just, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't open or wouldn't have it. And they had to take the year off, but, but, uh, you know, we operated, uh, you know, pretty strong that year, uh, with 24 and then we, um, we rebounded and now we're coming around, you know, one more year past that, that, that kind of full season year. And, uh, this was a really good year this year, just a really good year this year. I love the way the North American Hockey League uh, uh, ends up with your playoffs, the playoff structure and, and the four teams that end up going, uh, to the Robertson Cup in Minnesota. I have to think because of your footprint and the geography of the North American Hockey League, you, you kind of have to do it that way, don't you? Well, we've, we've, we've you know, we've, we've probably failed to succeed in many other formats, right? And, and this format's really good, and I really appreciate you pointing that out. I, I really like the whole structure of what we do in the NA, and I like the fact that you have that early showcase, that early identifier in, in September in Blaine with all the teams and the national program and all the Tier 1 youth and stuff, and then, um, you know, then scouts go out and do the normal circuit, the track guys down there interested in, and we have that, you know, that top prospects event as you get around February with all the uncommitted players, and that's just another way to put a bunch of fish in the barrel for the, uh, for the scouts to, you know, target and shoot at, and then our playoff format for the first two rounds, uh, which is what you started with, um, are in the division. So they're, they're geographically, you know, related. You can get a lot of fans going back and forth. 
Um, it's a grueling two best of five rounds. And then, you know, they advanced to the uh, Fogarty Arena there in Blaine, Minnesota, and uh, nobody has a competitive disadvantage, not like, you know, say in a home court advantage at all, but everybody's on the same playing field. We treat the players the same, feed them, hotel them, meal them. You know, they're just like in a frozen four type of a setting. They play best two out of three, so it's no point score bingo to advance. It's head-to-head. And uh, then they play a game seven of the Stanley Cup, one in uh, one for the Robertson Cup. And so, you know, if you're going through that as a player in this league, you get a lot of experiences, a lot of adversity, a lot of challenges, and hopefully it helps uh, make them uh, better prepared for the next step in, uh, in, in NCAA college. I like the format. It's not a complaint, but I do wonder if you'd if you'd consider ha- when you get those four teams into uh, into Minnesota at the end, why not have a round robin? We've done the round robin before, and we've had some. Um, we, we you know you're trying to manage a certain amount of time, a certain amount of games. Um, the season started in early September, right. <laughs> May 25th, um, and we've had some we've had some tiebreakers that didn't feel so good. And, um, you know, we kind of decided on that best two out of three format. And, you know, I guess whatever format it is, you have to win to be there. And we just kind of decided on a head-to-head. You, if you're going to win the Robertson Cup, you're going to do it head-to-head. And that's kind of where that came from. Uh, I know there's just a part of me that would like to see those four teams play each other. You yep. travel that far, it'd be nice to see, you know, the uh, interdivisional uh, matchups. Uh. Yeah, not a bad ask. Not a bad idea. Just, uh, again, that's kind of where that's kind of where it sits right now, and it's working. So I totally understand, though. All right, moving forward into uh, next season, three new teams. So you go from 29 up to 32 teams uh, this coming year. Uh, a couple in the East Division with the New Hampshire Mountain Kings and the Rochester Junior Americans, and then another team in the South Division that'll play out of Colorado. Uh, that would be the Colorado Grit. Tell me about getting three new franchises, how they came about. Yeah, thank you. We, you know, it's interesting. We get a lot of inquiries uh, for 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 memberships or franchises in 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 all of our leagues, the three NA three HL as well. Um, our focus is really making sure that our footprints uh, mature and develop with the right owners. And um, if you take a look at the East, uh, you know, we were at four teams in the East not that long ago. And um, as we started to grow out there, there was a heck of a lot of people out there, very good people, very successful in other businesses that wanted to give back to the player and the community through the sport of NHL hockey. And so when we get the right, right group, with the right formula, with the right market, it's something that we consider, and we're really excited about uh, the Mountain Kings and the Junior Americans and the Grit because the ownership groups are fantastic. They've got a really good, uh, uh, really good plan to to do a lot for the kids and the community through our sport. And uh, you know, we figure that um, you know we're going to watch closely, you know, how and if we grow past 32. Um, you know, we've kind of identified, we've got a lot of, you know, really good hockey players in our league. They come in, um, you know, B, 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 B plus A minus guys, and they play a year or two in the league and they, and they end up being a, you know, a, a plus guys and they move on. And so right now, um, it's really about making sure we have the right ownership groups that are in it for the right reasons. And that's player experience and that's community and um, we watch our college numbers, and that's our goal. So as we we keep putting up college numbers, and we have the right ownership groups come in. You know, we may we may consider you know additional teams, but I think right now we've got the four divisions, 
uh, between, you know, six and nine teams of division. We're just trying to make sure those divisions are stable and um, are more stable because they're very stable. And we're going to take on the right ownership group and the right footprint if it makes sense for the league and, and, and the players that are entrusted to us. I imagine there is some sort of checklist when, when you get approached by an ownership group or something that they want to join the league. I imagine there are certain boxes that you have to be able to check off uh, to admit them and to accept that they're going to be good additions for your league. Can you talk about some what some of those might be? Yeah, I, you know, again, it, it's our application process is um, requires you know quite a bit of due diligence. Um, uh, you know, goes through some you know information, you know, some commitment financially, and then it goes through a whole heck of a lot of um, um, conference calls or face-to-face meetings with our executive committee, and then the division that they may be in, and um, and then ultimately the the board of governors. It's an owners' league, and they they decide. And uh, but I think you know the the big thing that we're looking for um, in that whole process is you know w- w- what what are what are we here for. Are we, are we, do we think we're going to try to make money (laughs) or, you know, you know, what's the plan, you know, who are you about? And what we found is that most of the ownership groups that that take it to the next level with the application process are really in it uh, to give back to the players. And like I've already said, the community through the sport of hockey, we're one league that has um, a lot of, um, a lot of the owners that are really still directly connected with their, with their markets. And, um, you know, some other leagues may have, you know, owners from afar and stuff like that. I'd say 90% of our owners have uh, one foot in the town and the community. And so that's a, that's a really good model. It feels good because, uh, you know, they, they're doing it for a big part of, again, like I said, is about the community and to be part of something and, and be something in that community. And that, that's important to us. We don't, we don't like a bunch of absence, absentee owners or folks from different parts of the world owning teams we like it when they're when they're you know they're passionately motivated about that about that that town so it it becomes about the people um not only in the ownership group and uh you know what 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 they what their plan is and if they can provide the right things for nhl hockey and uh, because it's important to us how we treat the players and the players' experience, and and that you know that's that's the secret sauce, all without a lot of detail. <laughs> uh, how important is the facility? If I am within your footprint, but I don't really have a great rink, is that does that preclude me from being able to join, or can that be something where you just find some ice and uh, we'll work on that down the road? Yeah, the facility definitely does is taken into consideration, and um, you know we've got. With 32 teams, we've got you know seven, ten thousand feet buildings, and 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 takes large staff to to manage it and to sell it. And we've got smaller buildings, um, you know, a few buildings under the thousand number. Um, you know, what what we want is whatever the owner whatever the owner comes in with is he's got a plan um, and can kind of prove out some potential performance that this is going to be junior hockey. You're going to be playing in front of fans. You're going to be playing, living in the community. You know, junior hockey is still, uh, uh, in my opinion, about that experience. You're, you're moving away from home. You're getting the chance to be the hero of your own story in, in, in this town and, and just be, um, you know, just have a great experience and, and, and develop on and off the ice. And so we definitely want the building um, to be able to, um, 
to be able to present a junior experience. Um, and again, some of the buildings are, are, are small, but um, they pack them. They pack them. You get a you get twelve hundred and fifty seats in a building, and you get fourteen hundred and fifty people in there. Uh, that's a that's a pretty cool atmosphere. Um, so it, it's uh, you know I would say yes, the building and the market is important. Uh, you just couldn't go find a 300 seater and, and say this is where we're going. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it is part of the what we still believe is a junior experience. Um, you know, having that player move away, live with the billet family, have the on and off ice experience of the community, um, all of that stuff. And um, and you know what, it's uh, it's uh, it's fantastic as you see these owners come in, and I'm excited to see what Rochester does and, and Mountain Kings and um, Colorado do, you know, with their communities. Cause everybody comes in with new ideas and take some of the great old ideas, but uh, just love to see what they do in the community and how it just helps build the character of our guys uh, so they can advance and be successful when they move on, whether they're moving on, you know, be great in college, great in life, great in business, great in family, great in faith, whatever it is. Um, you know, what, 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 what our owners do and what the communities do, and what the players are engaged in helps prepare them for that. Well, you talked about 32 teams, and you don't know if you necessarily want to get bigger than that or not. What happens in the case, and maybe it's a hypothetical, maybe it's not, maybe you've already come up against this, but what if there's an owner, he's got a building, he's got a, the right business plan, it'd be a great fit, but he's in Florida or California or outside <laughs> of your current f- footprint. You know what? How do you handle that, where you'd love to bring this guy in or this uh, this company in, this this team in, but geographically, right now, it just doesn't make sense. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, if you watch the NA over the years, we've taken some chances on some geography. Sure. Um, you know, we were in Dawson Creek once and, uh, you know, Fresno once, and you know, were trying to build out there, and it didn't work out. And I would say we're probably a little bit more mature now. And, and uh, you know, you get those folks that come in like that, and they're like, I got no problem to pay for travel, and I don't care if we're on the road, but – Everybody else does. So typically it's got to be something that makes sense in the footprint. And, um, you know, it's got to be something that works for everybody. And, um, you know, I'd love to be in the Southeast. Um, you know, you start, you know, right now we're at 32 and maybe the next steps you really see is, you know, some fulfillment of some of our odd number of teams. We've got an odd number of teams in the South and odd number of teams in the East. Maybe you would see some movement there to create even you know, it'd be tough to to grow a four to six, you know, team division somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be it would be tough. Um, but you know, um, uh, you know, you get the right you get the right footprint. You get enough stones to get across the creek, and maybe you can do it without falling in the you know falling in getting your in your shoes wet. But when you have one in Florida, great building, God, we'd love to have them. But it, yeah. you know, it, it's just really hard, really hard to do that. Florida, California, you know, you you name it. Salt Lake, wherever, um, a lot of different places that uh, situation has been brought, to the, been brought to the table. Well, the growth of hockey in the United States especially, I mean, it's always been strong in Canada, but with uh, new markets opening up at the NHL level in uh, Las Vegas and now up in uh, Washington with Seattle and even in uh, Arizona and, of course, the success that we're seeing in, in Florida, the players are coming from all over the place. Uh, but you're still trying to attract them to you. At some point, uh, whether it's the North American Hockey League or not, maybe it's another league, do you expect that there'll be junior leagues in places like California or Florida or uh, where those players are still having to travel to get to you? Maybe you have to go to the players. 
Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Um, I think right now, you know, we do a pretty good job with our, our youth league with a lot of those uh, Tier 1 AAA organizations in those areas. So they have a lot of awareness of, of the North American Hockey League and the United States Hockey League. Um, and there are some other junior leagues in some of those footprints, but, um, you know, it, it's not that easy to, you know, to produce a product such as North American Hockey League with all the infrastructure and all the experience and all the things that the owners in our league do for um, uh, for the players in the community. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's uh, it, you know, like I've always called our owners a philanthropic entrepreneur. They've made a lot of money elsewhere and they've mm-hmm. got this business plan because they're, um, they're, they want to start a business or be part of a business and they end up giving back. So there's, I don't know how many, I don't know how many more folks there are out there really like that. Uh, and I'm just fortunate that I have the ones that I do in the league that provide, uh, that produce NHL hockey. With the success of uh, the league this past season, had a player taken very high in the NHL draft and Adam Guyon, who was uh, chosen by the Chicago Blackhawks early yeah. in round number two, that prestige has got to be, that's got to re- reflect well uh, for the North American hockey league. Listen, we, we, we really, we, we're obviously excited when a player that was, you know, directly in our league or, or indirectly in our league that had played a year maybe prior or something gets drafted. We, 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 we celebrate that for sure. Um, you know, our, our, the age of our league and the general, you know, gears of what we're trying to do is place players into college. So that's our, mm-hmm. that's our number one kind of bread and butter, but that was really neat. And, you know, we every year uh, we 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 participate in the NHL draft uh, in terms of uh, we have our NHL head coaches meetings there and we uh, enter uh, all of our um, coaches in the NHL um, global coaching symposiums for some continuing education and meet and greet and get a chance to work with the NHL coaches there. And then we get grab a couple suites to watch the first round of the draft. And, you know, even though we're, we don't get a lot of guys drafted in the first round, you know, some of our USA hockey partners do, and it's just, it's just great to be part of it and to see it. And, and, you know, just having those guys drafted on the second day was fantastic. And so we're, we're certainly excited about it. It's something that we're proud of, but, you know, again, our, our general focus is, uh, Hey, let's get players into college and man, if they can do something bigger and better than that, that's great. And we celebrate it too. What else do you have coming up uh, this year other than three new teams? Uh, what sort of uh, uh, highlights should we expect or look forward to uh, from the Null this season? Yeah, no, that's great. We've got three new teams to launch, so that's that. That's always uh, the time's ticking on those guys faster than they can imagine. But right now, uh, teams are starting to turn the corner and get into their uh, final, final, final camp so they can finalize rosters. We've got the big showcase coming up. You know, we're – we're in, in September, you know, we're, we did 24 teams there and now we're at 32 teams with the national, uh, USNDTP 17 and under team. And so it's getting pretty, it's getting bigger. <laughs> and so, you know, we're always looking at making sure we don't outsmart our common sense, but we're always <laughs> evaluating the events and, and, uh, you know, trying to do little things that we can do to make it better for the players. Some things that we, we're really excited about is we um, are embarking on a project right now that our, our streaming uh, uh, we've moved off of uh, all the other typical former streaming platforms and we're creating uh, I guess the best way to say it is our own NAHL TV okay and um, basically with our platform we're going to be able to um, you know do certain things that we want to do and go back to our owners or 
entrepreneurs and they like to own things and uh, take risks. And so, you know, we've gone through a whole new technology switch over this year and, uh, you know, we're working on a new broadcasting platform, new statistics platform. Um, we're working on a new um, data analytical platform. It'll, it'll ultimately end up be, being called NAHL Scout. And um, that's where all the colleges can plug in and watch all the games online and, and get all the video editing and data analytics and stuff. And then uh, we're implementing this year um, uh, with our teams, we're implementing a video replay of goals, uh, goal review. Uh, starting small, but uh, making sure we can manage what we're doing. But, you know, there's a lot of the game's gotten faster and referees are doing a good job, but there's some, there's some, you know, questionable goals between the goal judge and the linesman and the official and, you know, with a bunch of stuff going on that we might be able to get right for the players, which is important. So we're implementing, we're implementing that process this year. And, um, we're implementing uh, video to bench where the coaches, you know, just like if you watch an NHL game, you can see the coaches down there with the video to show the players. The players can grab the iPads. Oh. Um, we're implementing oh. that process this year. So that's some of the big technology stuff that we're doing, which we're really excited about. And again, our owners investing a lot into that. And, um, you know, the other thing we've been on, uh, uh, on, on fire on, I think is investing into the officials and the officiating program and, We've hired staff. Uh, we've created a program called Next Shift, which basically takes uh, players, hockey players, you know, male or female, that have played at a certain level, getting their next shift on the ice as a referee, kind of cutting through some of the red tape of them having to go referee at the might level and get yelled at by the parents, which is why they probably all quit, and uh, get them playing at a higher level or refereeing at a higher level faster through all of our different leagues and, and our, our combines and different things like that. And so basically we figure a hockey player that's played at a certain level, they can skate, they're confident, they know the game for the most part, they might be a little cocky, and we'd like to teach them how to referee if that's something they want to do. And we're having a tremendous amount of success with that, and hopefully you know, that can contribute to the whole ecosystem of officials as we're as you know, as everybody's working on what's the best solution and and um, how do we increase that pool and how do we provide them coaching and make these uh, young men and women officials for life. So those are some things that we're that we've been working on. We're pretty proud about and we're hoping to see some good results um, this year. So um, you know, the off season, uh, the off season for us here in the office is. I can't wait till the season starts, man. I can't wait till the season starts. Because <laughs> that's when you finally get to take a bit of a break? Yeah, that's when I get to take a little bit of a break. Exactly. Exactly. But it's all it's all good. It's uh, just so many good people, so many good owners. And, you know, I, I don't get around the players as much, but when I get to events and I see them play and I see their – see what they put into this and you just see the level of, of athletes this, today that's in the it's in the nhl these guys are these young men are strong and big and determined in the speed and the strength it's just it's just so awesome to be part of and uh you know just 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 fortunate to be able to contribute any way i can and and be part of the north american hockey league and everything that stands for well mark i really appreciate your time uh enjoy i hope you get a chance to enjoy a little summer <laughs> uh but if not uh, well, hey we'll talk to you again uh maybe during the season you bet. Good luck to you, and uh, reach out anytime. I love talking about the NA and, and everything we're about. Great stuff, Mark. Awesome. Thank you very much. Best to you. Reach out if you need me. That was Mark Frankenfeld, the president and the commissioner from the North American Hockey League. Always appreciate his time when he's able to come on the program. That league getting bigger, 
and getting better as well. I don't think there is a league that uh, puts more players into Division One hockey now uh, than the North American Hockey League. Some of that, obviously, because of just how many teams there are. 32 teams now compared to the USHL that has 17. And that's if you include the National Development Program, which most scouts don't. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Again, if you want to have early access to uh, all the interviews that you hear on a full episode, go to patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. You can sign up for an annual basis and to get a 10% discount. You can do it on a monthly basis, several different levels, tiers that you can uh, contribute. A couple of bucks a month is uh, will we'll get you the early access. That's the most popular level. You can also try at that level a seven-day free trial. Just give it a little taste, see if you like it. As soon as you do sign up for the seven-day free trial, you're going to have access to over 750 interviews from the last few years here on the program. I think you'll enjoy it, and I really, really appreciate the support. So uh, check that out at patreon.com slash show. Got a couple more episodes to go here in July. That will be the end of Season 18, then a couple of weeks off in August. Come back in mid-August for Season 19. Have to enjoy a little bit of summer as well, as I hope you are. But I hope you come back next week. This is The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. And my name is Guy Flaming. Until next week, everybody, see ya! See ya!